Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Odin's Movie Blog. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy Tuesday. Happy one-man low council to you all. Very sorry we did not have a Saturday stream, but I was back home in New Orleans spending some time with some family and was not able to get out the word uh, to a lot of people that I was doing that. So if you indeed were expecting the show on Saturday, I'm very sorry indeed that that did not happen. But we are back again. Again, for the one man low council here to talk about uh, the issue of stardom and the box office because it's interesting that we have a film now starring Robert Downey Jr. who is a pretty big name in Hollywood. I mean he was attached to Endgame. He has one of the most famous lines in Endgame and I would argue was the entire heart of not just Endgame but the entire Avengers team and yet he had a film that opened up for about $55 million and is likely going to lose around $150 million and so the question that I have for all of you is stardom dead does stardom even matter anymore back in the day the stars that were in your movie guaranteed box office nowadays it just seems that just because you have a movie star just because you have a giant name attached to your film does not mean anything and so i kind of want to get your thoughts about that i'm finding this connection that especially with this giant flop that is going to be doolittle there's just no other way to spin that. It is going to be the biggest flop, most likely, of 2020. And the year just started off a couple weeks ago. Um, let me know your thoughts about that uh, in the comments section below. But we got some people over on DLive. We got Captain Poppyton. We got Captain Mr. Roy. We've got Faux Nemo over there as well. We got Captain K-Man, Captain Dean Heiss. And uh, Captain Poppyton, of course, is dropping that. I'm sorry, a really sorry gif in the chat as well. And indeed, Captain Poppyton, I agree. He says, stars don't matter for me, but that's just me. And I think that for the box office too, many people would start to say that it doesn't really matter a whole lot for them as well. Jumping over to the YouTube chat, we got Jose Vagia in here. We got Zach Gregg, Father Christopher Miller, Hail Father Mark Lazerts in the chat. Tina B. What is going on, Tina? Hypernex13, Dejan, uh, Janvetsky, what's going on? Stephen King the Fourth. We have Blake Hemlo in the chat. Stream Elements, uh, Rob D. Hypernex13, Soul Assassin, Christine Fernandez, Hologram, Hologram Nunchuck back in the chat. Glad to see you back again. Alice Carly with Howdy Odin. How's it going? Run into any friendly Ewoks. I have not played any uh, <laughs> any Battlefront 2 since the other day. Uh, and oh my goodness, that level was freaking terrifying. Uh, so no, at this point in time, I have not. The Disco Dev, what is going on? Good sir. Uh, let's see who else we got in the chat. Who else we got who have not shouted out quite yet? Uh, Dory the Hobbit, what is going on? Dory the Hobbit, glad to see you here. Venom Broly 93, Slicer Neons. Hypernex 13 says, yes, stardom is dead. I think we lack movies with unknown actors who have potential instead of the same stars. And I think that, yeah, I think that nowadays films can be successful without a major star attached to it. I mean, look at 1917. There is not a single major star, really. I mean... Of course, I say that, and immediately you're going to think, oh, but there's some supporting characters that are some pretty big-name actors. But for the two male leads, I can't even remember their names. I can't even remember the actors that played the two male lead characters. And yet that film is getting a lot of awards buzz. Uh, it's not the biggest box office success so far, but it is indeed doing well. And I would look to even – I would say even a film like Joker. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is definitely a name that a lot of people recognize – but is he a person that a lot of people would consider to be a star in Hollywood? 
I don't know. Again, I, I kind of go back and forth when it comes to him overall, but he was a part of the most profitable film of 2019. And so I think that there's definitely something to be said that more people are looking for good content, stories that they actually want to see, rather than the actual names that are attached to the projects. And that could just be, that could just be me here, but basically ever since I really started to follow the box office, because as you all know, I, I now do the full box office tracking every week, uh, sometimes multiple times a week. I, of course, got the, the, uh, the tracking going over on the OMB Reviews website, where you can actually look at it in real time as it updates um, every day whenever I update the numbers. And overall, it just seems to be indicative of the fact that we have a lot more movies, I think, that are, and maybe I'm just more aware of it than I was previously, that are not making money that are just losing out on money. I mean, the movie Bombshell has some of the biggest names, right? Charlize Theron is in that film. You have Margot Robbie, who's a big name. And that film's losing around $30 million. So you have a ton of films that have giant star power but are making nothing, and yet you have other films that have no star power that are at the very least profitable. It's a very interesting game because I feel like Hollywood is now going through a change where we don't really have movie stars anymore. And it could just be me, but I really honestly think that the whole concept of movie stars is a dying breed, and part of me wants to think that one of the reasons why is because I think Hollywood has gotten too full of itself, and that's starting to tick off a lot of fans. And I think people are tired of being preached to by the Hollywood elite. I honestly think that that is indeed one of the reasons why we are seeing such a big change. That's just me, though. Let me know your thoughts about that in the comments section. Uh, Jeffrey Riley, thank you for the $5 super chat. Says, enjoy your work, brother. Keep it up. Well, Jeffrey Riley, thank you very much, man. I really do appreciate that. And thank you so much for the support. It really does mean a lot. Thank you. Uh, in the chat, let's see. Hyper and X13 got to your comments already. John Early says, well, Will Smith gave a boost to Aladdin and Bad Boys for Life. You see, you say that, but then he was also a part of a film this year called Gemini Man, that lost over $100 million. So it, it wasn't him. He, he did not give a boost to those films. Bad Boys for Life, I think, did well because it came out over MLK Weekend. And I think that, therefore, they were... I think that they were absolutely targeting a specific audience for that film. And I think it's also because you do have people that are fans of that franchise. Because that film didn't do bonkers numbers at the box office. It did fine. It was number one at the box office. It did, you know, it's going to probably at the end of its run be profitable, but it's not a crazy box office success. And then Aladdin has the Disney machine behind it. So it's definitely not Will Smith. Will Smith is not the reason why Aladdin made money. Because if Will Smith was the sole reason or was the primary reason why both of those films made money, Gemini Man would not have lost $100 million. All right. So it's definitely going to call you out there, man. Because it's definitely not Will Smith. Will Smith is not the money man that he used to be. Because also, remember, he did that film After Earth, which also was a was a giant box office bomb as well. Micah Martinez says, I'm probably not going to be on stream too much tonight due to studying for an upcoming exam tomorrow. But wanted to say, Dune has been described as the next Lord of the Rings and OT Star Wars. Yeah, I saw someone mention that. I think it was a video title for Geese and Gamers or another one of the channels that I follow. I have not watched that yet. But that has me excited. And as you all know, I'm a huge fan of Denis Villeneuve, and I don't really follow much of his politics or, or the commentary that he might have on various subject matter. I just look at his movies, and every film that that dude has made so far, I have thoroughly enjoyed. I have not seen a dud by him yet. Now, I respect the opinions of a lot of my friends, 
that aren't a fan of his work. You know, I have a lot of people that I know that didn't like his film Arrival, uh, that did not like Blade Runner 2049, which I personally love. I think visually speaking, it's just absolutely spectacular. And I, I like the story to it as well. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how that film is going to end up because with someone like Denis Villeneuve behind it, I think that it has a lot of potential to be the next Star Wars OT or the next Lord of the Rings. But as we always say, I'll believe it when I see it, and that film still has several months before it actually comes out. So we'll have to go ahead and, uh, and wait and see just how long that happens. Uh, Captain K-Man, uh, what, what are y'all doing over there? What are y'all doing over there? Phonemo says, I think what changed was the cost of taking a family to a family movie. It is now drastically cheaper to buy the movie. And I think that has a major part to do with it as well. I think that is absolutely a great point, uh, Phonemo. I think that the fact that we now have a situation where the streaming services, the streaming wars are fully on, and I mentioned this, I think I mentioned this in the video I did earlier talking about the Doolittle box office saying that I honestly think that a part of the other reason why is because of companies like Disney where they saturate the market with these giant big budget films that they just saturate it so much. You know, they force it into so many theaters. They put so much, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into marketing just to drive up the interest of people wanting to leave their house to go see it in theaters. But that means all the other movies that come out are not going to be able to hold a candle to it. And then there, the theaters are there and they have to charge the same amount for popcorn and drinks than they would have for the giant event films. And yeah, so I think you definitely have a point there that nowadays people would rather spend time at home, especially since it just costs that much less. I think I think you're totally right on that. Phonema says, are they really friends if they don't like Arrival? <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I res- as I said, I respect people with differing points of view. I respect people who don't share the same opinion as I do as long as they're able. And all of them are able to say... Technically speaking, Arrival is fantastic. Or technically uh, speaking, uh, Blade Runner 2049 is wonderful. And I can say, okay, at least you can respect the technical beauty of those movies. You don't have to like it, right? There's that whole subjective versus objective, right? If you can at least give into the objective reality of filmmaking and, and be able to point out those objective either goods or flaws... You can have whatever subjective opinion you want, and I'd be, I'll be respectful of it. Captain Peabody says, sorry I'm late, had to reboot, no problem at all, Captain Peabody. And Captain Peabody, I'm liking the, uh, the wiener dog that you're working on over on your channel. Uh, I watched that video earlier. Uh, Captain K-Man, thank you for the diamond donation, you freaking rock. And then Phonemo over on DLive says, it is what, 100 bucks for a family of four to see a movie? That's a great point, yeah. I mean, just tickets alone. If you were going to go see a movie on a weekend, the average ticket price in the United States now on a weekend at prime time is what, $14, $15 or so? So multiply that by four, so 15 30 45 So you have $60 just for tickets. And then oftentimes you're going to buy popcorn and drinks for the entire family. Add on top of that probably, uh, yeah, another $40 to $60. Yeah, you're, you're spending well over $100 uh, at the movie theater with a giant family. With a family of four, absolutely you're spending a lot of money for that. All right, jump back over to the YouTube chat. So let's see where we left off over here. Let's see where we left off over here. Uh, let's see, chat jumped on me a little bit, but luckily no comments were skipped. 
Uh, let's see. Tina says, smash the like button. Yes, please smash the like button. I don't really get to see with this new setup how many people are watching at any given time, but please smash the like. It helps me out a lot. It's the very least that you can do. And yes, Tina is right. If you have a comment or question for tonight's stream over on YouTube, just type in Odin question, all one word, Odin question. It'll highlight orange on my screen, and that'll let me know you're trying to get my attention. But you're if you're over on DLive, just tag me at Odin, and then I'll know you're trying to get my attention over on DLive. Since we have a much smaller community on DLive. It's much easier for me to keep track of those trying to get my attention over there. But my uh, my YouTube peeps, what is going on? How is it going? How's it going, everybody? Dora DeHobbit says, your thoughts on Paramount and Warner Brothers combining physical media and marketing for the next 10 years. I saw that, dude. So uh, there's a great channel that I follow called Films at Home. Highly recommend it. Uh, Tina or Steph, if y'all can find the link to it. I've, I think I've talked about his channel before. Films at Home. He is a very hardcore advocate for um, physical media, and I really enjoy his channel. Uh, one of the best videos that he's ever done was he explained why uh, older films that were shot on 35-millimeter print or 70-millimeter print look so much better uh, on actual Blu-ray and actual 4K releases and the science behind it all. So he, he, he's a very knowledgeable dude. He broke that story, and so I think that's great. That's wonderful because basically what that does is that guarantees that we will have physical media for the next 10 years. And I know that physical media is essentially a dying brand in a lot of places because guess what? I understand a lot of people would much rather just have the streaming code, just be able to put it into their movies anywhere account, their Vudu account, etc., have it all there, put it onto their Plex server and not have to worry about the physical media anymore. But then there's others like me out there that understand that physical media is always going to have such a higher, you know, higher leg up on the competition because of having so much higher quality. Now, not everyone cares about that. Some people just want to watch a movie and just care about the story, characters, et cetera, which is fine. But then there are people like me where I also care about the visuals. I also care about the audio quality, things like that. And so uh, Films at Home covered that, and he did a great job covering it. So I am all bored on, I am all on board on that, Dory the Hobbit, and I'm very happy about it. I'm very happy because it guarantees that we will have physical media, at the very least, from Warner Brothers and Paramount to very large studios with a lot of different um, you know, movies and movie franchises for the next 10 years. And I'm hoping that they're able to start a trend and maybe get some other smaller studios, maybe like a Lionsgate on board as well. So that way we can get a little bit more certainty in the physical media marketplace because, hey, I'm loving collecting my 4Ks. Let me just say that much. Uh, Entertainment Hacker, thank you very much for the super chat, man. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Hypernext13 says, my quickies for January. Doolittle was bad. Just Mercy was kind of Oscar bait. Bad Boys 3 was okay. Not a masterpiece, but okay. And 1917 was really good. Okay. Glad to hear it. Hypernext13. Doolittle did not look very good. Uh, the fact that it's making nothing and probably going to be a giant box office loss uh, definitely speaks to that point. Just Mercy is a film I have no interest in seeing because you're right. It, it definitely comes across as Oscar bait. But even more so, I feel like it's a story that's been told a thousand times. Okay, so there is a character, there is, so there's an African-American character in the South who's being mistreated and on trial. I feel like I've seen that movie a thousand times already. And I'm not trying to you know, say that the story, because I believe it is based off of a real event, so I'm not trying to say that that dude's story is any less important than the others, but that movie and that story has been told so many times. And I think it's a disservice. I really do think it's a disservice because I think we need to start making new movies. New stories, and this is this goes well beyond the independent films like Just Mercy. I feel like we need to have a new era of filmmaking instead of trying to make the same old stuff and the same stories over and over and over again. 
That's just my thought. What are yours? Tina says, movie stars include Errol Flynn, Clark Gable, Bogart, Valentino. You know, real stars. People who transcend time. But that's me, Tina. I figured that that would get you going. And you're absolutely right, Tina. Those are Hollywood stars. There's a great line from a film called The, um, called the Majestic, where the head of the theater says they were like gods. That was Olympus. And they would come down off Olympus to spend time with us. That's how he had described the movie-going experience. And that's how it used to be. It used to be like that, where people would go out of their way just to see those stars. And you technically, you technically still have these movie stars who get a lot of media attention, but I just, it's just not the same anymore because they get all the media attention. The tabloids cover them, right? All of the shows cover them. The media is all on top of them, but people at the box office aren't. People at the box office aren't showing them as much love as they were before, which to me means their worth is down, which to me means we should probably have some adjustments going on as far as pay and other things because I think movie stars are vastly overpaid, especially in today's modern market. But that's just my thought. Sazanian says, in my best Valley Girl impression, TV and Hollywood are so 20th century. Oh my gosh, Slicer, I totally understand what you're talking about. Alex McCarthy says, I don't get why Doolittle is doing little. I have... (laughs) I haven't heard any BS politics to it. Looks like a fun movie from the previews. Well, I think it just goes to show you that no one really wanted that movie. The CGI looks terrible, just in my own opinion, just does not look very good. And it has no interesting qualities to it. Honestly, what is interesting about that film? What is something unique about that film that I have not seen already? And I think that's what a lot of people looking at the trailer for that are saying to themselves or looking at the poster saying, hey, Robert Downey Jr.'s there, but I know nothing about this movie. And I I remember that there was a Dr. Doolittle that came out a long time ago with Eddie Murphy, and that was pretty funny, but this doesn't look like a comedy. I'm very confused by this, right? So I think there's just a lot of questions about what the film actually is and what it's actually about. And I think that's part of, uh, you know, really bad marketing for first, firstly, but also I think it's because it's now, we've now reached a point in Hollywood, where the Hollywood star no longer has the value that they once had before, as far as box office revenue goes. Over on DLab, Captain Dean Heist says that uh, I had given up on physical media for a while until I started watching you. You got me back into it. I'm, I'm glad to hear it, man. I'm really glad to hear it. And it's one of those things, too, where, hey, I still collect digital codes, right? I still like having the digital copies available because there is that convenience factor. Right, I, There is that convenience factor, and that cannot be lost. However, nothing can beat the quality of the actual hard disk itself. Even regular Blu-rays nowadays are just so much better than the DVDs of old. Like the, the, the amount of information that a Blu-ray can show, the amount of detail, the amount of depth that even just a standard Blu-ray can show in comparison to DVD and, and, and streaming is just out of this world, right? So obviously I lean towards the 4K, but even the standard Blu-rays, right? So I've, I got this one. I still need to do a review for this one on the channel. I'm falling behind on that, but I'm waiting for the wife to, for, you know, we, we also got the farewell from Lionsgate. So I'm waiting to watch that with her. Probably will do that sometime this week. And then I need to watch Peanut Butter Falcon as well. I've already seen this, so I could review this, but I want to review all three of them together um, and, and give them the love uh, that they deserve. Because this one, even though I didn't like the story, uh, visually deserves a lot of love and mad respect to these actors. These two right here, by the way, you know, quick, quick Oscars talk. Uh, these two got screwed. Will <laughs> Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson gave probably the best performances actor wise of this year. 
easily could have knocked off a lot of the people that got nominated instead. And it's sad that this film only got nominated for cinematography. Yes, it deserves it. But dear Lord, the actors in this film, like what they had to go through in this process is just freaking phenomenal, man. Cat Peabody says, uh, have you actually seen the movie Valley Girl? It's a fun watch watch zero watch 80s it's a funny watch fun watch 80s movie with nicholas cage i actually have never seen it before uh and kathy also says valley girl had the classic line if they attack the car save the radio okay i think i've heard that before i think i've heard that line before and phonema says listen to the lighthouse commentary track it's really good okay i might do that since i've already seen the movie maybe that's what i'll do instead as i'll watch it with the commentary track instead i know that it also comes with um what is this the Lighthouse, a dark and stormy tale. So it comes with like one of those. Every movie nowadays on the Blu-ray and the 4K comes with one of those like little mini documentary films. So something tells me it'll probably be one of those 20-minute ones that they've been doing nowadays, where it's not nearly as in-depth as I wish it to be. But I, I bet the auditor, the audio commentary on this is fantastic because it is with um, the director and writer Robert Eggers. Oh, you know what though? That it would be so much better if Willem Dafoe was in that. If Willem Dafoe was doing some of that. I'd, I'd be listening to that in a heartbeat. I love Willem Dafoe. He, I think, is one of the most underrated people working in Hollywood today. That dude deserves so much love. Um, let's see. Blake Hemlow over on YouTube says, Hollywood has been going down the crapper for years, and I really do think we will see the rise of independent films and TV shows, among other entertainment, due to Hollywood's nonsense. I think you're right there. Um, I think that you're already seeing that. That basically, go ahead and look to the fact that the Grudge remake being that it only cost around $10 million to actually produce, is profitable and has barely made any money. So I think that you're right in the sense that they're going to start to spend and realize that they can spend much less money on films without stars. And this is the reason why I think stardom's dying. Because imagine that you tell an original story that seems compelling, that seems interesting, with unknown actors that are all talented and make it for 5 to $10 million, and you make 30 to $40 million. Guess what? That's profit. That is profit. Is it as massive as the you know the end games, et cetera? No. But you know what? At least you're making money off of it. At least you're making money off of it, right? Uh, Tina says, "Well, I will rank Once Upon a Time as having one of the first, uh, one of the finest endings in movie history. I loved it, Tina. Yes, I'm glad that you finally saw it. It was so freaking." Good. It is one of the most satisfying. You're right about that. It's also just one of the most badass. It reminds me a lot of another film that Quentin Tarantino did where he played around with history as well. But I love when Quentin Tarantino does his own history because it's normally something just incredibly groundbreakingly hilarious in some form or fashion. And I freaking love it. Uh, that's a film that I know that I want to see again. And I think that the wife wanted to see that one too. So that one we might have to watch again. Uh, Bruce in the chat. What's up, Bruce? 8-Bit Snake Boy. I see you in the chat. Clark Kent says, read Star Wars Death Troopers. It is really good. EU Star Wars Story takes place before A New Hope. Nice, dude. Yeah, so basically, I've been reading through Darth Plagueis, and I've got maybe an hour and a half or so left to go in the audiobook, and I'm loving it. I had no idea that it tied into, because again, I went in totally blind with Darth Plagueis. And all I knew was that it's talking about the person that was once master to, uh, to of course, Palpatine, Darth Sidious. But I had no idea that it was going to actually bring the story up to the events of that time. So, oh my goodness, dude, Darth Pelagus has gotten so freaking good. And the whole time, just like with all the other EU books I've read, I've had to say to myself, why didn't you just make this movie? 
especially seeing that you have one of the actors. Yes, he's older now, but still, you could probably make it work um, with, uh, oh, I forget, I forget his last name, but the guy that plays the Emperor. You could have made that movie. Back in 2015, you could have had Darth Plagueis instead, and it would have been such a better film. Oh, my goodness. It is such a great novel. I recommend it. But Star, Star Wars Death Troopers sounds good, man. There's a couple other books that I have in, in my queue right now uh, that I plan to read. I think I'm going to jump ahead. I know that the book club that uh, Lethal Lightning and RK Outpost are doing, they are doing uh, Path of Destruction, the first in the Darth Bane series. I think I'm jumping ahead to Rule of Two, man, because I, I need some more Darth Bane, man. I need some more of that in my life. So glad to hear it, though. Uh, Orange Chat Reviews says, Hollywood may learn its lesson, but it may be too late when it does. Also got my package. Thank you so much. You rock all father. No, you rock Orange Chat Reviews. Glad that you got it from the giveaway, man. Uh, glad to hear it. Also, by the way, if you indeed are a $5 Patreon or Subscribestar member, there is currently a giveaway live. You can find it on the Subscribestar page. It's been posted over there. Or you can find it in the Giveaways tab over on Discord. I think everyone that is giveaway eligible now knows how to access the Giveaways tab over there. If you don't and you're $5 and up background Patreon, please let me know. Uh, there's currently a giveaway for an entire set of the Harmies Despecialized Edition Star Wars movies. Uh, so I'll be picking a winner of that probably sometime this evening. So if you want to enter into that, just leave a comment. Uh, that is all you got to do to enter yourself in. And thank you so much for being a Patreon supporter if you do. Uh, see, AOE, I think is what it says. Thank you for the two lemon donation and for the follow. I really do greatly appreciate that. And Captain Peabody over on DLive says, you need uh, you need to look into the story of Darth Pelagus, Master, uh, D- Master Darth Flatulence. I see what you did there. I, I see what you did there, Mr. Peabody. And I don't appreciate it. I was being serious and you had to bring a joke in. <laughs> uh, I love you, dude. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Rob D says, what other Star Wars EU books do you plan on getting? Well, uh, let me go ahead and just uh, let me pull up my list. Let me pull up my ledger. So currently my library, because uh, I just recently got an Audible membership and it came with. So I don't know. You can check it out for yourselves. I don't know if the deal is still going on, but they were offering two free audiobooks with a trial. And then I ended up just getting the platinum, which has the two credits. So I ended up getting four books for about 20 bucks, which I thought was a pretty good deal overall. Uh, but as far as the books I have currently in my Audible collection that I have not read yet, I have uh, Star Wars The Old Republic Deceived, which I've heard great things about by Paul S. Kemp. I also have Dynasty of Evil, which I was is the third book in the Darth, uh, Darth Bane series. Of course, I have Darth Plagueis, where I have an hour and six minutes left on that book. I have Rule of Two, which is the second book in the Darth Bane series. I have Star Wars X-Wing, the X-Wing series, Volume 1, Rogue Squadron, which I've heard great things about. The bad thing is, is that the audiobook is the abridged version. It's still very highly rated, though, so I'm still willing to give that one a shot. It's about three hours, and I think the book is supposed to be about nine, so it's definitely very condensed, but I'm willing to give that first one a shot. And if it's good and I don't feel like I'm missing a whole lot, I might get the others. But uh, I know everyone's going to be like, get the book, get the book. It's going to leave so much out. I understand it. Um, but I do want to give that one a shot because I've heard that Rogue Squadron's great. I have the newer Thrawn book. Um, I have the newer Thrawn book by Timothy, Timothy Zahn, which I had finished already. Uh, Path of Destruction, which I've already finished. And, of course, also uh, the book two of the Thrawn.